This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerus, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. You get an offer for a five-year lease for that new piece of equipment, but your bank is also willing to finance that equipment on a loan for five years. Which one makes more financial sense? And does it even matter for financially or for taxes? That's exactly what I want to talk about this week. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make Business by the Numbers possible. Hey, did you know Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. If you're looking for a full service staffing solution that does everything from sourcing, qualifying, creating job descriptions, scheduling interviews to negotiating job offers, Promotive is your answer. Visit them online at gopromotive.com. So if we're going to talk about leases versus loan, it's important to cover a couple differentiating factors because not all leases are created equal. And sometimes it does depend on what you're actually leasing as far as how we're going to treat this for financial purposes and obviously tax purposes as well. So another thing that is a little bit tricky here is a lot of people instantly probably think that this is going to be specifically tax related. Hey, we're all talking about buying this for end of year. We need to think about tax aspects, but we also need to look at the dollars and cents to make sure we're not making a bad financial move just to save some dollars in taxes. This is always what we preach on here is we want tax planning, but we want smart and effective tax planning, not us throwing a bunch of money trying to save a little bit. To keep it simple, there are really two major differentiating factors as far as what you're buying. And what we're going to talk about this week is vehicles and equipment. Let's start with vehicles because this is probably the most common and the most recent question that I received related to the purchase of a loaner car. Just like a lot of times, hey, don't know what to talk about for this week. Actually, I'm recording this a little bit early because Carm and Tracy are headed out to SEMA probably right about now when you're listening to this. But a customer reached out to me and had a question related to the purchase of a, I think it was actually a couple, but Toyota Corolla loaner cars and the dealership gave them two options. I'm going to reenact the phone call with you, and then we're going to kind of unpack and figure out exactly why. So he calls me up and says, hey, Hunt, want to get some new loaner cars? Kind of getting to the point where I got a couple of these ones, and they're just really getting long in the tooth. They're not super reliable. They don't look super good. And you know what? It's been a good year, so I think I'm just going to kind of refresh this fleet. Awesome. Went to the dealership. Everything is good to on it. And he said, hey, I went in there originally with the intention of just buying these things, getting a loan on it. And the dealer came back and said, I have two options. I can buy them or I can also do a lease. Which one would you do? So I said, give me a little bit more of the details here. Option one, no money down. And the payment's going to work out to be about $500 a month, 60 month payment or five years, right? I think this overall, I think it was around 25 grand or so for these Corollas. So I said, okay, no money down. $500 a month. Talked about interest rates a little bit, but that's neither here nor there for what we're talking about. Option two. Option two is he said, hey, they are also willing to do a lease for me. They're running this lease program on it where it is a no money down lease. Don't have to pay for the taxes up front like you do in a lot of leases. Literally, it's just $300 a month for three years. 
His ultimate question was, what would you do? And I pretty quickly said, buy it outright with the loan. Do not lease this. He didn't really ask why and said thanks and moved on. But for others that are curious and have been presented with this, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. A lot of times I have clients that will call and ask me, hey, what would you do here? I give them advice on it and they say, great, move on their ways. A lot of them also will say, well, why? What's more? Now, it's cool when I have a client that calls up and just has a trust of, hey, hunt, I don't really care on this. This is not my wheelhouse. What would you do? And I'm going to go with it. A lot of them, even if they want to know or not, I will usually kind of give them a little bit of something of, hey, just so you know, for future reference, here's why. Since he didn't ask that, you guys are going to get to listen to this. Really, there is a couple different ways. And I know that taxes are really the biggest concern and one of the big reasons of why he was doing this now. So let's start from a tax perspective. From a tax perspective, the purchase of the vehicle, instead of doing a lease on this, is going to be a lot more favorable, especially given that he is primarily interested in saving money this year. If you buy a car with cash, stroke a check, give them a briefcase full of money, or you sign a loan that you're on the hook to pay for this or pay the bank over the next five years, for tax purposes, all of that can be treated like it was all purchased and paid for this year. Meaning, if I sign the paperwork and take delivery in this current tax year, I can take the full tax deduction on that, even though I have not paid a single cent to the dealership or the bank. Because the title has transferred, it is now my vehicle. How I ended up paying for that and what I end up paying for it is really neither here nor there from the IRS's perspective. Now, real quick on there, one of the things I kind of breeze past is you have to sign the paperwork and take delivery of this. If you look at the official IRS rules on buying an asset, it has to be paid for and in service. That's the date that goes. Technically, if you go out and you say, all right, great, I'm going to get this Corolla. It's December 31st. I'm signing on the dotted line. And they say, hey, it actually won't be on the lot for another six weeks, probably mid-February. Technically, from their IRS's point of view, that asset should not be on your books until February. Realistically, especially for most of the stuff that my clients are buying, they want to get it the same day. Dealers want it off their lot the same day. So we never have a timing thing. And if I'm ever given a purchase contract on it, I'm not going to look any further. Hey, if that purchase contract says December 30th, it's on the books December 30th. But yeah, there is something about in-service and when you get this stuff. If anyone asks, you obviously got it whenever you sign up paperwork on it. Is that a huge concern on it? No, I mean, it's not like you're double dipping on this. I've never seen the IRS come back and prove, hey, let me see a selfie in front of your new Corolla with a newspaper to prove when you actually had this one. Whether it's now, whether it's a month from now, I can't really see anyone ever looking into that or caring. Quick little aside, let's get back to what we were talking about. We know if we sign on the dotted line for that loan, yeah, we're going to pay you guys 25 grand over five years. We can write all of that off in the first year. Treat it like we just got it now. Now for leasing a vehicle, this is where things start to get completely different. For a lease, you cannot deduct the cost of the vehicle since it is not really yours. When you do a lease for a vehicle, generally those leases are three years or less. And that is never actually your vehicle. You are more or less renting that from the dealership or the manufacturer. Since it is not actually ours, we can't depreciate that because it's not our asset. That's the bank's asset. That's the you know manufacturer's asset. For a car lease, the only thing that you get to write off is the actual monthly payments of that lease. If you sign on the dotted line for a loan, December 31st, 
full write-off for the entire cost of the vehicle, right? Within some limitations there. If you sign on the dotted line for a lease, no money down lease, on December 31st, we have absolutely no deduction for this current year. We haven't paid anything, so we don't get any sort of deduction. And then the way that works it going forward is you're going to be paying them $300 a month. Every single month in 2024, you can get 300, 300, 300. But do the math on it. You're only going to end up getting $3,600 deduction if you make the 12 payments of $300. In the grand scheme of things, if you want to look at a lease or a loan, if it was to run out in its entire life, you're always going to get the deduction of what you paid. But the thing about financing this is you're obviously going to front load that deduction versus having to recognize it over the life as you pay it. So from a tax perspective, the loan aspect and buying this outright and not leasing this is obviously a major benefit on it. And I'm always going to lead towards a loan from a tax perspective versus a lease. Like I was mentioning above, we should not make all business decisions or really any decision strictly from a tax standpoint. It needs to make sense from a tax standpoint, but it also has to make financial sense as well. So from a money perspective, let's kind of dive into this a little bit more. Leases are generally popular on luxury vehicles that have a steep depreciation curve or something that you would not want to keep outside of three years or warranty. Think about how a lease works. What happens when on how they calculate a lease is they say, all right, what is the value new? What is the value when we expect you to turn this into us at the end of this three-year period? What is it going to be worth? How many miles are you going to put on it? What is that depreciation? Do you think that dealership is going to price that, that you will have equity at the end of this deal? Or do you think that they're pricing it so that they will have equity at the end of this deal? Probably know which one to pick. They are in the business of making a profit of selling and leasing vehicles. Don't you think that they're going to build this in with a little bit of fluff so that they know, hey... We don't want to break even on this. We want to definitely make money. And we're going to probably add a little bit more on top to ensure that we have a buffer in case we end up kind of undershooting this a little bit of what it actually ends up being. If there is equity at the end of the deal, which doesn't happen very much. Now, I don't see a ton of leases. I've never leased a vehicle before. So someone might say, oh, I always make money on leases. Hey, good for you. But generally, there is not equity end of the deal. But if there is equity, it is generally a one-way street. What I mean by that is this. Let's say that you end up making out where you have equity in this deal and your buyout of the lease at the end of the three-year period is $10,000. Because the way that the lease works is you pay them for 36 months and you have two choices. Give us back to the keys or we're going to give you a number and that's the amount that you can buy out. I think sometimes they give you that buyout number in the beginning of the lease. Sometimes they give it at the time. Again, not really sure. Doesn't really matter for this argument. Let's say that we go there and we say, all right, our buyout amount is $10,000. I looked this up and I know that just the basic trade-in value of this vehicle is fifteen grand. Yeah, I'm not going to give you your keys back because you guys are just going to assume my equity. You know that I could buy it for 10. You guys could sell it for 15. You probably don't even want me to buy this out. But I know this. So I'm going to say, great. Yeah, here's 10 grand. I'm going to go take that to CarMax. They're going to give me 15. I just made five grand. That's awesome. Now, as you can imagine, it doesn't generally work that way, right? Unless in unique circumstances, I think COVID probably played a good role in that. If you were to sign a lease before COVID with a price of cars skyrocketing, there's probably some people that made out pretty well. Not super common. Generally, it was the opposite side. All right, here is the end of your lease hunt. Your buyout amount is $15,000. So if you really love this car, we'll happily sell you and you can buy out the remainder of this for 15,000 bucks. 
if that car is only worth $10,000, why the heck would I ever give the dealership 15,000 for it? Why would I say, sure, here's 15 grand, even though I could go down the street to another dealer that's going to be selling it for 10. Generally, the only time that happens is if you have a strong emotional attachment to that, maybe you didn't do your best research on it, or any number of things in between. How many times do you think that people don't even think about that buyout because they're just kind of on the lease cycle there? And these dealerships are making money on the front end and making money on the back end because people are handing them keys that have built-in value in there. Again, not that common. The system is built to work in their favor, not ours, but I'm sure it does happen all the time. That's obviously the negative side of it. We're paying a premium here to kind of guarantee that we don't have kind of an upside down issue. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Hunt, if it doesn't make sense here, why do people lease cars? Because just from an accounts perspective, it's going to be very hard for me to argue that a lease ever makes sense because from a dollars and cents return on investment, it never does. Where this does make sense is if you like to keep a new vehicle, right? If you don't like to be driving an aging vehicle, if you don't like to keep stuff that's outside of warranty on it, a lease is an easy button for people that don't want to have to mess around with trade-ins and like having a new car. You know what your payment is. You don't have to gamble that if you get to the end of three years on a loan, hey, you know what? Time to get a new car. You might find out that the car did pretty well and now you have equity to roll into another deal. Wouldn't it be pretty terrible to go and look and say, hey, I want a new car. Now I have to roll $10,000 of negative equity into this new one because depreciation hit on this was much more massive. For a lease, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you might be limiting some of the upside, but you're also eliminating the downside of knowing I'm going to pay $700 a month for this lease for the next 36 months. And at the end of that, if I don't want to, I don't owe anyone anything on it. And it's a clean slate. Napatrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. They provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. Napatrax offers the industry's best wholesale support hands down. They train your people on site. Yes, on site. They also offer remote refresher training 10 times a week and customer support is open six days a week. Give them a call, visit them, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. They'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napatrax is always customized and tailored for your business, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Is your recruitment process draining your valuable time and resources? What if there was a partner who could take your recruitment efforts off your plate? Look no further. Promotive is your ultimate solution for hassle-free staffing focused solely on the motive industry. On the web at gopromotive.com. Promotive understands the challenges you face when searching for the perfect technician or service advisor for your shop. That's why we've developed a platform that takes the hassle out of recruiting. Michelle Tanzi from Euroclinic said, I am a shop owner and recruiting new talent is so time-consuming. Promotive does the majority of the seeking and recruiting. They reach out to the candidates for you, and when they feel they are a good match for you and culture, they make the connection. They follow up throughout the interview process, and we make sure that the candidates are a good fit, and the shop is a good fit for the candidates. I admire that they genuinely want both parties to win. They recruited and paired us with a solid B-Tech and Master Tech. Both left a dealership position and are still part of our team. We are very happy with the character and culture match, and both technicians have become valuable team members. 
Visit our website at gopromotive.com today and join the growing community of shop owners who have found their ideal team members with Promotive. Where you see this the most commonly on is cars that have a steep depreciation curve and also generally cars that are more expensive to begin with. A Corolla is kind of the exact opposite of those. It is a low upfront cost. Also, Toyotas in general keep their value pretty well. The value of a $25,000 vehicle can only go so low. Like look at used pickup trucks. You generally don't see a used pickup truck less than $5,000 because no matter how ugly, there's still a lot of business use or even just general uses of, hey, an ugly rusted pickup truck can do most of the same things as far as firewood or scrap or whatever that a brand new truck could. Where I kind of found out about this in the first hand was I was at a BMW dealership. I forget what I was. I think I was picking up parts for my race car or something. And they had an i8 in the showroom. This is a couple of years ago. For any BMW fans out there, they look cool. They're absolute dogs from everyone that I've talked to. But hey, you know what? They're sweet. I was looking at it and I asked the salesman, I said, how many of these have you sold? Right? I don't really see anyone on the road with them. I've only seen a handful out there. And he goes, I have not sold a single one. Every single one that I've quote unquote sold was all leases. Everyone wanted to lease this. Why did they want to lease that, not buy that? Well, two reasons is the monthly payment's going to be much lower for a lease because you're only trying to cover yourself for three years versus for a five-year car loan, you're trying to pay off the entire amount. And I believe that those I-8s were like 150 grand new. So if I know that I'm a trade at the end of the three years anyways, why am I going to pay an inflated amount just to try and get some equity back maybe at the end of the three years? Another thing on it is those are $150,000 new. At the time that I was looking at this stuff, they were fairly new. So no one knew what the used market looked like. What if in three years it's worth $75,000 and you still owe $100,000 on it? You're going to be in a hole pretty bad. And it makes the Corolla example kind of pale in comparison. Higher amount, higher entry, the stakes are much higher. This is pretty easily, you can see how you could be $25,000 upside down on this i8. It's physically impossible for you to be that upside down on the Corolla because it just didn't cost that much. All in all for leases, from a financial perspective, there is really no argument to ever do it. Personally, if we almost never see leases in a business since most of our clients are buying non-limited stuff like vehicle, like SUVs and trucks. And if it's smaller, they're generally getting the reliable vehicles like Toyotas that they're using for a loaner car fleet and hold their value pretty well. Really, this only makes financial sense for the couple reasons I lifted above. You like to have new vehicles personally. You don't want to mess with trade-ins and you just want to kind of guarantee that you're not going to have negative equity. But Obviously, for that kind of peace of mind and that new of a vehicle, you're always going to be paying a premium. How much probably varies depending on what specifically you're looking at. We can talk about the other side of this, right? We already kind of covered the lease versus loan on vehicles. Let's talk about it for equipment, which is a little bit more straightforward. There's only a couple things that we need to keep in mind. The first one here is we need to talk about leases versus loans and Generally, when people are talking about that, they're talking about operating leases. What is the difference between an operating lease, like for a car, and a capital lease, like for an alignment rack? Operating leases are generally a shorter amount of time, and you never take ownership of it. You're renting it, just like that car. Hey, you're buying this for three years or renting this for three years. At the end of the three years, you give it back. You do not keep 
control of it. The other type of lease that we're going to be talking about here for equipment is a capital lease. Capital leases are generally longer, and most of these are a minimum of five years. And I've seen them go up to, I think, 10 is the longest I saw for some of this more expensive equipment, but it's generally five years or more. And at the end of that lease period, you give them a dollar, right? You might not even see that, but essentially your last payment is a dollar more. And that last dollar symbolically is the payoff, the buyout of the lease. But it's such a small percentage that it's treated like you bought it for the entire period. Operating leases, the only time that you really saw those in a business sense for equipment was, I know personally, my firm, we used to have a copy machine and we'd lease the copy machine. It was never ours. We had it for a couple of years. It would end up breaking, honestly, before the end of the lease. And they would come in and say, all right, we'll give you this new one. Here's your new lease payment. It was never ours, never our problem. Hey, fix it, keep it there. We're renting it from you guys. However, for a shop, almost all of these are capital leases for equipment, alignment racks, you name it. Just like we use the example of the Corollas for the vehicles, let's use probably the most common thing for a shop for the equipment, which is an alignment rack. This is the largest, most expensive piece of equipment that most shops have. If you go and you're looking at an alignment rack and let's just say it's $100,000, you're going to get the Hunter system full-blown all the bells and whistles. You generally have two real things that you can do. I guess three. You could pay cash for it. Most people aren't doing that for something of that size. You could go and you could finance it with your bank for five years, or you could lease it through the vendor or Great American or one of these bigger companies that is probably associated with the vendor, again, for five years. Client comes and says, Hunt, I got a lease. I got a loan. Which one would you do for this alignment rack? Just like we were talking about for the vehicles, let's look at it from a tax perspective. Let's look at it from a dollars and cents financial perspective. From a tax perspective, I don't care. Whether I sign on the dotted line for that lease through Hunter or through Great American, or I go to Wells Fargo and I sign on the dotted line and they give me the money that I need to buy the alignment rack, both of them will be treated exactly the same. And for all intents and purposes, just like I stroked a check straight to the Hunter rep for that. $100,000 write-off can take it all this year if I so choose. If they're exactly the same from a tax perspective, how do I decide? The major difference here has to do with the interest rate. The banks will always give you the interest rate. So it's very clear to know what that is. Hey, sure, Hunt, we'll give you a loan for that equipment. It's going to be five years, 8% interest. Here's your monthly payment. Now what I do is I go to the equipment person and say, hey, you guys will probably give me a lease that I can qualify and sign up for on the same day. What is the interest rate? Sometimes they will give you the interest rate. Generally, they will not. Generally, what you have to do is you have to kind of back into the interest rate based on what the monthly payment is. They talk a lot of time like car dealers of like, well, your monthly payment will be this. If you finance it for this many years, your monthly payment will be that. If you look at the five, six, seven-year options for a lease, it's not all going to be the same interest rate. The shorter the term, they're going to have a lower interest rate. If you have a five-year lease or a seven-year, that five-year lease is going to have a lower interest rate, almost guaranteed. If anything, it'll be the same. It's never going to be better. If you can't figure out what the interest rate is, it really doesn't matter because as long as you know what the monthly payment of both is, you can kind of infer what the interest rate is because we're buying the same thing. If a bank loan payment is 1000 and a lease payment is 1200 you know right off the bat that the lease is going to be more expensive and I'm going to choose and I'm going to use the bank to finance this for me the benefit of doing a loan. So let's say that maybe these are the same amount or maybe these are arguably very similar. If these are the exact same amount, if they're both 1200 bucks or they're both 1000 I would still pick a loan. 
The reason I would pick a loan is because if I pay that off early, I do not pay any more interest. So let's say that I pay this for two and a half, three years, and I now owe $50,000 on the loan. If I want to just be done with that, then I can give them $50,000 and I do not owe them another cent in interest. Hey, the loan's paid off, the interest stops accruing. However, for a lease, that interest is front-loaded. And a lot of times they don't even call it interest on it. They just say, hey, here's how much you're going to lease it from us. Let's say that you have a $100,000 Hunter alignment rack and you total up all 60 of those payments and you find out the total of all those payments is $120,000. If you pay them off in two and a half years, you're not going to get a break. You're not going to save any money on interest. More or less what they're saying is, yeah, you're going to pay us $120,000 over the course of five years. Whether you want to give us all $120,000 tomorrow or pay it out over the course of five years, it's still the same. So the big benefit of the loan is paying off early, you can always save interest. Lease, you're guaranteeing one way or another that they're going to get all of that money. Generally, a bank is always going to be lower interest rates than a lease. In today's market, I've actually seen the opposite in a handful of situations. So don't always guarantee that bank is going to be cheaper than a lease. Sometimes these equipment manufacturers are actually subsidizing the leases a little bit because interest rates have gotten so crazy that they say, hey, we're making money on the front end of this. There's profit built into that equipment that we're selling you. Hey, maybe we can back down the interest a little bit to get it a little bit more attractive for this monthly lease payment. Always kind of do the research on it and see if it makes sense and pick one versus the other. I'm going to be honest. If they're close and even if a lease is going to be slightly more expensive than what I think a bank is going to do, I might still go with a lease and there's probably a pretty good chance that I'm going to, right? If I look at this and say, hey, a lease is going to be 1200 bucks, a loan is going to be $20 a month cheaper, just give me the lease. Why? Because they don't generally ask for a whole lot of anything. My time is worth something, my frustration, my energy. Hey, for a couple bucks here and there, I am not going to sweat the difference. Where do I sign? Give me my alignment rack and I'm going to go back to making money. We've all been through the whole rigmarole for a bank. Doesn't matter how long you've been with that bank. It seems like every time that you want to go and get credit, they need everything. Send us your tax return. Send us this. Send us that. Send us the blood of your firstborn child. You guys have all this information. I'm not sure why we have to go through this song and dance every single time, but a bank is just going to be a lot longer process. Now, if that's going to save me a hundred, couple hundred bucks a month, that's going to be worth my time to do it. If we're splitting hairs here, if the difference is not material, just go with the lease, be done with it and move on. Also right now, banks are just kind of being a little bit more leery about lending money on it. So you might not have an alternative. Lease rates are generally, like I said, going to be a little bit higher than there. Depending on what it is, you're probably talking six to 10%, depending on how good your credit is, depending on what you're buying and stuff like that. To sum it up, if given the two choices, I'm always going to go with the loan if everything is going to be equal, right? And that's ignoring the frustration, talking about the banks. But if it's not a big deal, lease, loan, pretty close, I'm always going to go with the loan. However, the leases are sometimes instant and they do not require much work at all. So if the monies are the same and it's going to be a lot of frustration and my bank is not super easy to work with, I'm going to lean towards the lease because it's just not worth that time and energy that I would have to commit to trying to save a dollar here, a couple cents there. At the end of the day, financing can be a bit overwhelming, but it doesn't need to be. And sometimes taking a bit of extra time to weigh your options could not only save you a lot of money on taxes, 
but interest as well. This has always been something that I feel is worth people's time to do their homework on and has become even more important in recent times as we talked about with the changing interest and overall landscape of our economy. And right now we are going through a period of interest rates at the highest level that we've seen in over 40 years. So maybe you've never looked at it before in the past. Maybe you didn't plan to, but hey, maybe you haven't sweat this in the past. Maybe you've always been a lease guy. Maybe you've always been a loan guy in the past on it. Hey, with this current changing market that we have with these interest rates, I beg you, just take a look at it. Doesn't need to take hours. Take a glance at it. Talk to your banker. Give kind of general sense on it. They can probably, with a quick phone call, give you a pretty good idea on what they'd be willing to do and kind of rates just to do a quick sanity check to make sure that it makes sense for you. As always, please share with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a future episode, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. Thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.